0: Hello, I'm Dr. Don Reynolds, professor and poultry veterinarian at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Welcome to the Big Red Biosecurity Program for Poultry. This is Biosecurity Training Module 5, Biosecurity Principles and Practices. In Module 5, we will review the NPIP Biosecurity Principles 9 through 14 and provide examples of management practices and strategies to comply with these principles. Further resources can be found on our website under the www.poultryimprovement.org link. Biosecurity principle nine, manure and litter management. Manure and spent litter should be removed, stored, and disposed of in a manner to prevent exposure of susceptible poultry to disease agents. On-site litter and manure storage should limit attraction of wild birds, rodents, insects, and other animals. The audit guidelines. Is a manure and spent litter handled in a manner that limits the spread of infectious diseases? Procedures, example written instructions, manure, litter handling log sheets, protocols, permits, guidance for contractors, etc., should be provided showing how disease risk from manure and litter management has been addressed. Waste management, animal waste. Low threat is normal operation. For instance, manure litter can be spread on fields. Oftentimes, it's composted. There are in-house composting, um, and then it's reused. These things are windrowed. Uh, the litter is windrowed within the houses. It's allowed to compost, somewhat generate, or generate somewhat uh, heat and heat within the house, spread out, and then a um, new fresh litter is applied. There's also out-of-house composting to improve the nutrient value of the litter, which is typically done on-site in three-sided bins and sometimes in sheds. People and equipment. A level D, level D refers to a biosecurity procedure in um, environmental health and safety, which is a, um, a low, low level of security. Low, level D PPE, protective personal equipment, such as coveralls, boots and gloves should be utilized. Equipment should be washed and sanitized after use and beware the equipment and people may be shared. Example, crews going to different farms or operations. Here are some uh, equipment uh, used in waste management. You can see here's a front end loader that's uh, removing some of the litter. Here's a litter uh, uh, conditioner and spreader. Uh, this is one of the uh, machines used for windrowing the litter inside a poultry uh, facility. Here's a three-sided bin. Again, more uh, equipment used. Here's an outside uh, big front end loader used for composting. uh, Outside, here's a tumbler composter. Animal waste. High threat, in high threat situations, I mean under quarantine or situation, will be directed by the authorities. So the manure and litter will be composted in an enclosed facility, typically right in the poultry barn. And it will be monitored. So key points to remember about waste management. Describe and document. Describe the procedure used for manure and litter management. How often is litter manure removed from the facility? How often is equipment cleaned and disinfected? Where and how is um, litter or manure spread and applied? Specific measures to limit the spread of disease should be incorporated, written down in your biosecurity program. Document a program. Document the procedure. Have log sheets of when procedures were done. Document when program was reviewed. If a commercial company does any part of the procedure, copy their procedure and plan. Make sure it's written in the biosecurity manual. Biosecurity principle 10, replacement poultry. Replacement poultry should be sourced from healthy monitored, health-monitored flocks, which are in compliance with the NPIP guidelines. They should be transported in equipment and vehicles that are regularly cleaned, disinfected, and inspected. Biosecurity protocols should be in place for equipment and personnel involved in the transport of replacement poultry. Audit guidelines. Is replacement poultry sourced from flocks, which are in compliance with NPIP provisions and program standards. Replacement poultry is defined as poultry from hatch to maturity intended to become laying hens or breeders. Provide supporting documentation, VS 9-2 form or VS 9-3 form and or the NPIP hatchery production records showing that source flocks are active and compliant participants in the NPIP. Is replacement poultry transported in equipment and vehicles that are regularly cleaned, disinfected, and inspected? Supporting documentation, example, written instructions, wash stations, reports, and or logs, inspection reports, invoices, etc., should be provided. The biosecurity plan should be followed as written and clearly defined regular cleaning. Are biosecurity protocols in place for equipment and personnel involved in the transport of replacement poultry? Supporting documentation, example, signed statements, acknowledgement forms, visitor login sheets, policy documents, standard operating procedures, best management practices, etc., should be provided for personnel involved in the transport of replacement poultry. Supporting documentation, example, written instructions, protocols, procedures, training videos, standard operating procedures, best management practices, etc., should be provided for equipment involved in the transport of replacement poultry. Key points to remember about replacement poultry. Replacement poultry, defined as birds raised to be used for egg laying and breeding purposes. These birds need to come from NPIP participant flocks. Document with the appropriate form or forms. Transport vehicle and equipment. Biosecurity program or plan specified for vehicles and equipment. Regularly cleaned and disinfected. A quality control program, testing for specific agents such as Salmonella. Written standard operating procedures, SOPs, and best management practices. The personnel, biosecurity program or plan in place for personnel. Document activities, log sheets, training, policy updates. Written standard operating procedures, SOPs, and best management practices for the personnel document compliance and corrective actions for any non-compliance. All of this needs to be documented, written, and placed in your biosecurity manual. Biosecurity Principle 11, Water Supplies. It is recommended that drinking water or water used for evaporative cooling be sourced from a contained supply such as a well or municipal system. If drinking water comes from a surface water source, water treatment must be used to reduce the level of disease agents. If surfaces have been cleaned or flushed with surface water, subsequent disinfectant should be employed to prevent disease transmission. If water treatment is not possible, a risk analysis should be performed to determine actions needed to mitigate risks. Audit guideline, is drinking water or water used for evaporative cooling sourced from a contained supply? such as a well or municipal system? If water comes from a surface water source, is water treatment used to reduce the level of disease agents? If yes, describe the water treatment used. If water treatment is not possible, is a risk analysis performed to determine actions needed to mitigate these risks? The biosecurity coordinator should provide evidence that the risk of an untreated system has been considered and demonstrate steps to mitigate that risk if feasible. Risk assessment should have considered risk from the water supply. This guidance does not require a peer-reviewed professional risk assessment to be performed. If surfaces have been cleaned or flushed with surface water, is subsequent disinfection employed to prevent disease transmission. If surfaces were cleaned or flushed, surface water and subsequent disinfection was employed, a description of the subsequent disinfection and or supporting documentation should be provided. So example, invoices for chemicals used and purchased treatment equipment, treatment plans, etc. If surfaces were cleaned or flushed with, water, uh, with surface water and subsequent disinfection was not employed, see item 11.3.2 above. Guiding principles for water few things to remember here. Animals drink more than they eat. Water needs to be considered as a disease vector or a vector for disease transmission. Water treatment versus water disinfection. Water treatment means water quality. Animals perform at their full genetic potential. Water disinfection means only to eliminate pathogens. Water sources. A well typical primary source in the rural environment. Municipal water, typical source in an urban environment. A surface, such as a pond, a stream, or a river. Other, such as a a cistern, a cistern catches rainwater. A piped-in water, such as rural water. Consider the problem and practical solutions. Range animals or animals outdoors may be a challenge. Why is this? Because they may drink from puddles and other sources of water is hard to control determine the water the problem the pathogen to be resolved and targeted start with a water sample determine what the water quality is what's the pH what are the solids what's the mineral what are the coliform etc determine the plumbing in the water system and its limitations elaborate drinking systems with water monitoring conditioning and medicator on one side of the spectrum versus Pans and a pen that are filled uh, uh, perhaps daily, perhaps less, to provide water for, for animals and, in this case, poultry. Establish a plan and strategy for disinfection. Should be economically feasible. Anyone, everyone at the facility understands and can comply can achieve these goals. Use chemicals that are EPA registered, approved, and used by label directions. Follow up and reevaluate your water in the plan. Chemical disinfection of water. These are the uh, most typical chlorine, chlorine dioxide, peroxide, iodine, iodophore, acid. Chlorine by far is the, the most uh, frequently used. Here's an example of chlorination, uh, the process most frequently used. Uh, it's supplied in different forms. Perhaps the the most common is just liquid bleach in which we pour a a measured amount into a a measured amount of water. Uh, Also comes in solids such as pucks. This is quite common in uh, swimming pools. Uh, Gas, chlorine gas, although uh, be careful with this. Uh, There are some cautions uh, um, and safety measures to be observed. Chlorine products, and this refers to the graph over here, uh, has a chloride IMOCL at the high pHs and at hypochlorous acid HOCL at the low pHs. So both of these inactivate microorganisms, so we have good chemical inactivation of, of uh, organisms at different pH levels. Chlorine is relatively safe, although, as I mentioned before, we must be cautious with chlorine gas that the gas itself is toxic bleach used by outdoor enthusiasts for uh, treating drinking water again uh, oftentimes there are some procedures where you can take a couple of drops and add to a, a cup of water and have pretty good indication that this will disinfect it for those hikers and campers etc that uh, want to want to have outside drinking sources these are, this is a chart that shows some of the pathogens that have shown some chlorine resistance. And as you can see, there are many, and it includes uh, both bacteria and viruses uh, and, and other parasites. Other methods of water disinfection uh, there is filtration, uh, certainly heating, uh, boiling, or autoclaving, ozone, which is very common for uh, large um, operations like. Uh, sanitizing or sterilizing drinking water that we get in um, a gallon jugs or, or you, that you can buy in small containers. Uh, ultraviolet light is another way. Some information resources on how to go about um, looking at uh, approaching uh, water problems. Uh, certainly there's University Extension Services, there's commercial companies, there's federal services such as the EPA, The Center for Disease Controls. Key points to remember about water supplies water uses, drinking, evaporative cooling, cleaning of facilities, equipment, etc. Personnel use in your facility, toilets, showers, washrooms. The water source. No problem or concerns if water comes from a subsurface source, such as a well. Typically tested negative for coliforms upon initial use. Municipal water systems have been professionally treated. So these are what we call abiotic, good sources, uh, pure, no problems. But there are concerns if surface water is used, such as a pond or a stream. Obviously, their ponds and streams are good sources for waterfowl. Waterfowl transmits diseases, things like avian influenza. So we have to be very cognizant and have to be very careful about the use. Describe and document water treatments and their uses. If no water treatment demonstrates the steps that you will use to mitigate the risk. Risk of what? The risk of disease transmission. Risk assessment should be performed. If surface water is used for cleaning, then a disinfection procedure needs to be described and documented. If no disinfection procedure used, then a risk assessment as stated above should be performed. Biosecurity principle 12 feed and litter <laughs> and replacement litter feed feed ingredients bedding and litter should be delivered stored and maintained in a manner that limits exposure to and contamination by wild birds rodents insects and other animals feed spills within the perimeter buffer area outside of the line of separation should be cleaned up and disposed in a timely fashion audit guidelines is feed Feed ingredients and litter stored and maintained in a manner that limits exposures to contamination by wild birds, rodents, insects, and other animals. Guidance applies to the feed ingredients and litter, which are under the direct control of the entity being audited. A, st- a description or example examples include written instructions, feed or replacement litter handling, log sheets, protocols, permits, guidance for contractors, etc., should be provided showing how exposure to and contamination by wild birds, rodents, insects, and other animals is limited. Occasional exceptions may be necessary. Example, seasonal storage, acts of God, etc. Guidance applies to the feed ingredients and litter which are under the direct control of the entity being audited. Does the biosecurity plan address feed spills within the perimeter buffer area, outside of the line of separation? excuse me, approach. Determine the problem. Is feed a health problem for the animal? Feed formulation, perhaps it's a nutritional deficiency. Feed toxicity, perhaps it's a mycotoxin, wrong formulation or contamination. Infectious disease, such as salmonella. Contaminated feed, such as hardware disease. Is the feed a food safety concern, such as introduction of salmonella into the poultry? Is feed the origin of the problem? Is feed contributing to the problem? Determine the pathogen or pathogens involved. Determine the problem. Pathogen to be resolved or targeted. Start with a feed sample. May request a nutritional feed analysis. May request microbiological determination. May request specific toxin analysis, etc. Determine the feeding system and its limitations. Elaborate Elaborate systems with monitoring versus pans and a pen that are typically just filled daily or perhaps less than daily. Establish a plan strategy for safe feed. Involve feed mill manufacturer a must involve a nutritionist. A nutritionist, economically feasible. Make sure that this the plan and strategy for safe feeds follow up and reevaluate. Things you should know about a modern feed mill. Traditionally, feed mills practice good manufacturing practices, or GMPs. However, the Food Safety Modernization Act, FSMA, became law in January 2011. The good manufacturing practices, GMPs, were revised and now are called current good manufacturing practices, C-GMPs. Mill- <clears throat> Feed mills must have a hazardous analysis control, critical control point, HACCP plan incorporating international organizational standards, ISOs, and a biosecurity program. These are required. The The regulatory authorities involved are the Federal Drug Administration, the FDA, United States Department of Agriculture, USDA, and Homeland Security must update facilities and practices. All feed mills must update their facilities and practice for food production instead of feed manufacturing for animals. So this has been a major overhaul of the feed mill uh, situation. These are the principles, eight principles, uh, HACCP, the Hazard Analysis Critical Control Point, uh, just for your information. Um, Biosecurity for feed and feedstuffs. Feed mill biosecurity, frequent sources of pathogen introduction within a feed mill. Personnel, personnel that work there. Visitors, feed ingredients themselves bring in pathogens. Airborne particles, such as dust. Salmonella is a good example, can adhere to dust and get on feed. Pests, rodents, birds, insects can transmit um, pathogens. Equipment such as lubricants, moisture, even personnel that maintain or operate the equipment. The facility design for pre-treatment and dirty and post-treatment clean areas should be described in feed mills. Employing, training, Uh, is essential and mandatory now in these updated regulations for feed mills. Environmental monitoring for pathogens are a must. Feed hygiene. What can we do to help make the feed clean of pathogens? There are sanitizing and decontaminating feed uh, post-processing procedures. For instance, heat, based on time, temperature, moisture, and pressure. Many types of commercial processes and and technologies uh, and affiliated equipment are available to do this. However, be aware that heat also breaks down and changes nutrients such as vitamins, proteins, and starches. Note, at one time it was thought that just the act of pelleting feed, decontaminated feed. It does help a lot, but it's not fully effective. There are chemicals that can be added to feed, Chemicals such as acids, propionic acid, acetic acid, or formic acid. These change the pH of the feed and help to inactivate or kill certain pathogens. Formaldehyde products can be incorporated into the feed. How products are applied to the feed is an important consideration if they're done post processing, during the treatment, etc. Assessment of chemical and or heat treatment, excessive monitoring. Uh, that needs to be done, and the best way to do that is through microbiologic evaluation. Actually taking samples, culturing the, the feed, and see what grows. Feed ingredient selection. Certain ingredients historically have had high levels of salmonella contamination. Things such as animal byproducts, fish meals, certain vegetable oils, even certain cereals. Feed storage is a concern at the feed mill and after the feed mill. So pre-delivery, on-site, where are the ingredients stored? Where are the, after the feed has been uh, formulated, where has it been uh, stored? The buildings and the feed mills. Feed feed bins. Feed delivery. Trucks may contaminate the feed. Trucks and drivers may serve as vectors for pathogens. Be cognizant of that. Feeders and feed systems should be cleaned and functioning. Should be insect, rodent, wild animal, and resistant proof. Old feed should be discarded and not reused. There should be a plan and a procedure for cleaning up feed spills. Feed spills draw insects, draw rodents, or just a nidus for problems. Employees and personnel should be be trained and should be in compliance with these procedures. Here's a collage of pictures showing various types of feed storage uh, from the very simple bins up here that you can see to the different types of plastic um, drums. Again, this isn't isn't, uh, what you call ideal. It looks like we have some spilled feed here and we have birds running around. Um, Again, modern feed storage system here. Feed delivery systems. Um, From the the very modern and and, um, large types of uh, situations, as you can see a diagram here, to more portable types of things and more of the standards. So information sources, where to go to learn more about feed, feed mills, how to handle feed, certainly feed manufacturers are good sources, nutritionists, universities, And there are federal and state agencies that can help as well. Key points to remember about feed and replacement litter. Feed and litter storage. Document and describe where and how feed and litter is stored. Provide a map or diagram showing the site. This may be very useful. That should be in your biosecurity manual. Indicate the measures for monitoring and controlling pests and vermin. For instance, the rodents and the insects. How is it done? How is it kept away from the feed, etc.? Written guidelines and protocols on how feed and litter is delivered. Who delivers it? Have log sheets. Have biosecurity measures between deliveries. Protocol for delivery vehicles. Protocol for handling feed spills. Again, signage may be very useful in these situations. Biosecurity principle 13. Reporting elevated morbidity and mortality. Elevations of morbidity and or mortality above expected levels as defined by the biosecurity plan should be reported as required in site-specific biosecurity plan and appropriate actions should be taken to rule out reportable disease agents. Audit guidelines, Does does the biosecurity plan address elevated morbidity and or mortality above expected level? A description of the actions and or documentations, example, evidence of investigation, tracking graphs, mortality, morbidity patterns, case reports, mortality logs, etc., used to monitor morbidity and or mortality should be provided. The biosecurity coordinator is responsible for communicating what constitutes elevated morbidity and or mortality in the biosecurity plan. Is there a plan to report to responsible authorities and take appropriate actions? should you suspect and need to rule out reportable disease agents. Provide a written procedure to report and take appropriate actions when disease agents are suspected. The biosecurity coordinator is responsible for providing the written procedures. The written procedure should identify the responsible reporting authorities. The biosecurity coordinator is responsible for clearly communicating who the responsible authorities are. Key points to remember about morbidity, mortality increasing. Document and describe how is elevated morbidity, and mortality determined. It can be determined through daily, weekly morbidity, mortality logs, charts, or records, graphs, or investigation reports, etc. Who determines elevated morbidity and mortality? What is acceptable? What's the normal morbidity and mortality? This should be written documented in the biosecurity manual. When mortality and mortality is elevated and disease, infectious disease is suspected, who determines that? What actions are to be taken? Report to whom? At least two contacts should be listed, one primary, one backup. Again, this should be written down in the biosecurity manual. Full contact information needs to be written down and updated periodically. If a reportable disease suspected, for instance, avian influenza or exotic Newcastle disease, excuse me, biosecurity coordinator is responsible for communicating who the responsible authorities are and having contact information. Typically, this is the state veterinarian or state veterinarian's office. What actions are to be taken during the interim period and should be written in the biosecurity manual? Example example an increased threat level. Biosecurity Principle 14, Auditing. Auditing of the biosecurity principles is based on flock size as outlined in 9 CFR 53.10. Audits shall be conducted at least once every two years or a sufficient number of times during that period by the official state agency to ensure that participation is in compliance. Each audit shall require the biosecurity plans, training materials, documentation of implementation of the MPIP biosecurity principles, corrective actions, and the biosecurity's coordinators and review to be audited for completeness and compliance with the MPIP biosecurity principles. An audit summary report containing satisfactory and unsatisfactory audits will be provided to the MPIP national office by the OSAs. The OSAs, again, are the official state agencies. These participants who failed the initial document audit conducted by the NPIP OSA may elect to have a check audit performed by a team appointed by National NPIP office, including an APHIS poultry subject matter expert, the OSA, and a licensed, accredited poultry veterinarian familiar with that type of operation. If these participants seek to be reinstated as being in compliance with the biosecurity principles by the NBIP OSA, they must demonstrate that corrective actions were taken following the audit by the team appointed by NBIP. Who is exempt from audits? Producers exempt from the NBIP audits are those that produce less than 75,000 commercial egg layers on-premises or that have less than 75,000 commercial egg layers on premises, or have less than 100,000 boilers slaughtered per year that have less than 30,000 turkeys slaughtered per year, have less than 50,000 waterfowl or upland game birds slaughtered per year, have less than 25,000 game birds raised for release per year. Small flock owners that do not meet the minimum inventory requirements are eligible for up to 100% of the high-path avian influenza indemnity. <clears throat> please note that this is different. These requirements are different from the NPIP size requirements to participate in the 9 CFR Part 146 Commercial Program H5H7 Avian Influenza Monitored Program. Also please note that no producer is exempt from having a biosecurity plan, regardless of the number. Or inventory. Here's how the biosecurity principle auditory, auditing disease um, tree works. A participant signs up, they establish their biosecurity program. The official state agency, this is typically uh, someone from the state veterinarian's office, will audit, uh, audit this every two years. If the audit is good, everything checks out, no problem you are eligible for indemnity payments. If it's not good, then they go through a corrective action. If it's resolved, it's checked off, and again, you're eligible for indemnity, <clears throat> indemnity payments in case of a an uh, uh, influenza outbreak. <clears throat> if it's unresolved, and it continues to be unresolved, then you are indemnity ineligible. However, you can also go through this TRIO team. As you remember, this is an APHIS a veterinarian, um, someone from the OSA, the Office of State Agency, official state agency, and a licensed accredited uh, poultry expert. And then this TRIO team goes through and sees, uh, suggests your corrective actions. If these corrective, active, if these corrective actions are taken, then it's resolved and you are eligible. If not, it's unresolved until these corrective actions can be um, undertaken. So key points to remember about auditing. Who does the auditing? The official state agency, the OSA, typically the state veterinarian's office. When will the audits be conducted? At least every two years. What will be audited? The training materials? Documentation of the implementation of the NPIP biosecurity program principles, any corrective actions taken, the biosecurity coordinators annual review of the program, and it needs to um, be in accordance with completeness of the NPIP biosecurity program principles, and in compliance with the NPIP biosecurity program principles. What are the results, or what happens to the results, and then what happens? The audits will be deemed satisfactory or unsatisfactory by the auditor. A summary report will be submitted uh, by the official state agency to the MPIP national office. What happens if you fail the audit? You can elect to have another audit performed. A team appointed by MPIP will conduct the audit. Must demonstrate corrective actions cited by the audit team. Who is exempt? Small producers are exempt but still qualify for indemnity payments in the case of a high path even influenza outbreak. All producers need a biosecurity plan regardless of size. For NPIP contact information or questions about the National Poultry Improvement Program, you can contact uh, the NPIP at this address and this contact information. This ends module five. Thank you very much for your attention.